Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, what will be the impact of the federal government's $82 billion aid package? So that no matter what happens during this period, they can afford the essentials. And we're working to make sure that no one gets left behind. First and foremost, we know that people are worried about their health. So if you're needing to quarantine or to self-isolate or care for a loved one who's sick, you can get around $450 per week, even if you don't qualify for employment insurance. There's hope for Canada's economic recovery after the coronavirus. We know that this is a temporary thing. We don't know how long or how big, but it's, it's temporary. And uh, I know we're, we're, we enter this at a time when the economy was in the best place it had been for a really long time, with unemployment at historic lows and inflation on target and so on. Those are, those are in, a, in a strong fiscal position. So all those things uh, make a really big difference to how we will recover afterwards. And Canada and the U.S. enact tougher restrictions at the border. We have agreed that both Canada and the United States will temporarily restrict all non-essential travel across the Canada-U.S. border. It's Thursday, March 19th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by National Post columnist John Iveson. Good morning, John. Morning, Mark. We're starting to see some reaction to the federal government's aid package yesterday. Uh, Business groups are saying it doesn't go far enough, that it will not be enough to avoid job losses, economic losses, even bankruptcies in some cases. Uh, What do you think about the package, and do you feel it goes far enough? I don't think it was designed to save the economy or or stimulate the economy even. Uh, As in the words of one academic, it was more designed to save the furniture. Um, I think if you look at what that was, where the money actually went, it was it was more about, uh, in Bill Morneau's words, uh, keeping food on tables and, and roofs over heads. So when you look at the, you know, the bulk of the money, ten billion dollars, went to emergency care benefit. That's if you're, uh, um, if you have to take time off because you're sick or you're caring for a loved one. Uh, there was another five billion for emergency support for those who are uh, not covered by employment insurance you know, so if you're self-employed there was money there for for low-income families in the form of a gst credit and and, and enhanced kind of a child benefit you know none of those measures were designed to help businesses through this crisis they were all designed to help individuals you know there was money but it was only about 3.8 billion dollars for a uh, a subsidy, a wage subsidy. You know, you, uh, an employer would get 10% of regular pay of an employee. You know, the hope being that you would keep the employee on rather than let, let them go. That clearly is not enough. I mean, that 10% is not going to stop an employer letting somebody go. If you look at country, countries like Denmark or Germany, they're, they're offering a, uh, an income subsidy of up to 75%. So I think this was really. And, and Mamoru said this as well. This is phase one. Um, on the economic side, this was a measure designed to keep keep people able to pay their rent, keep them able to buy groceries. It was not designed, I think, to uh, to uh, to keep the economy ticking over. There were some helpful measures on that front. You know, he included fifty-five billion dollars in deferred taxation as as part of this package, you know, I think that will be helpful that, that businesses won't immediately have to pay taxes. 
but that's deferred taxation. It's not cancelled taxation. So what do you think this means for the Canadian economy? How much damage will, will there be? How long will it last? And, and uh, what can be done to, to stimulate a recovery at some point? Well, I don't think anybody knows that. I don't think, I certainly don't think that uh, Governor of the Bank of Canada, Stephen Pollock, or, or, uh, or Bill Morneau would pretend to know how, uh, how deep this is going to go. But they've taken measures that, uh, in, in Pollock's work, they're elastic in that they're designed to expand or not. Well, I think more likely designed to expand, depending on the circumstances. They were very careful that they did not forecast how bad this could get. You know, the U.S. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin had said that if, to Congress, there are things, if they didn't take action, you could see unemployment hit 20%, which, uh, you know, is as bad as it was in the, the Great Depression. Uh, Morneau and Pollard's didn't go anywhere close to that. But it is obvious that unemployment is going to spike dramatically as a result of what's just happened. Um, Five million Canadians work in vulnerable sectors like retail, culture and and recreation, accommodation, food, real estate. Um, You know, how how bad it's going to get, it's it's unknowable. But I think, uh, you know, we saw... In 1992, that uh, unemployment rose 26% to 11%. In a decade earlier, 1982, it rose 45% to 11%. Could we see unemployment rising from around about where it is now, 5 5.5% to 11%? Yes, I think we probably could. All right, let's turn to what's happening at Canada's borders. Uh, it was announced yesterday, of course, that uh, the Canada-U.S. border... Uh, over which uh, millions of travelers move every day and and billions of dollars of goods move every month um, is basically going to be uh, a close to non-essential travel. The two countries say they will keep it open to trade, but but not for personal travel. Uh, how how significant is this? How uh, difficult is it going to be to implement? And what will be the implications of it? Well, I think it, it wasn't a bad result for Canada. In that you know most Canadians were wondering after Trudeau announced uh, the end of non-essential travel why the U.S. border was still open, and I think that was because he was very conscious that if he antagonised Trump, we could see a, a total close down, and, and and obviously we rely on that border for a lot of our supplies, food, medicine. So the idea that it was a negotiated closure, I think, is it was a win for the government. Um, you know, it, it hopefully it closes off uh, coronavirus cases coming across the border, but it doesn't close down trade. So, you know, in theory, it would be relatively easy to reopen that border once this is all over. Um, I think it is worrying that the the, the, the border has just thickened, but... But uh, with any luck, it will be not. Uh, it, there will be no lasting harm. There are some Canadian travelers who are still abroad, and uh, and the Foreign Affairs Minister François Philippe Champagne is saying some of them may be stranded uh, for a long time. Uh, uh, what are you hearing about the effort to bring Canadians home? The role the government might play in that? Uh, what will happen to those Canadians when they get home? Because there's been some confusion at the border over how strong a message needs to be delivered to people to self-isolate once they get back. Uh, there are still many Canadians in this situation, aren't there? Uh, 
Right. I mean, um, Champagne said Global Affairs has received 8,000 emails and 6,000 calls from Canadians needing help abroad. And that's in one day. So, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of people trying to get back into Canada. Um, not clear what the Canadian government can do. I mean, I don't think we're going to see flights like the one we saw going to uh, to China a few weeks ago. Uh, I think the, the government has made available some funding for people who are stranded, which should keep people uh, in, in funds at least. But... Uh, yeah, it's it's not, not an enviable situation if you're if you're abroad with your family and you cannot uh, you cannot find a flight to get home. Yeah, and uh, there's the the challenge again of of once these people get home, what happens, right? Because they they've been abroad and the government is saying you've you've got to self isolate for 14 days once once you get home. That's uh, obviously going to have a big impact on those people. Uh, and there is the question, too, of whether everyone's actually going to do it or whether some of these people who come back will will simply go back to uh, to uh, interacting with others uh, and what the implications of that could be as we try to control the spread of this virus. Right, but I, I, I'm, I, I'm starting to think we're beyond that stage, to be honest, as in worrying specifically about travellers. I mean, when you look at the stats in the early days, it was 99% uh, travellers and, and people who were in close contact with them. That is changing now. It's, this thing is growing in the community. Clearly, you want those people to self-isolate, but but in some ways, they're no more of a risk, I think, than, than, than anybody else in the community. Now, this thing has firmly embedded itself into Canada. We're seeing the, the rates... Uh, increase exponentially, you know, and that's not a word used lightly. They're they're actually increasing exponentially. They're multiplying by the, by themselves the numbers. So, I think whereas once travellers were our principal concern, now they're just one of a number of concerns. You hope these people self-isolate, but I mean there is no mandatory quarantine in this country at the moment. The the government was quite clear yesterday that. Uh, it would not be using the Emergencies Act at the moment, and short of that, there's not much that the government can do other than say stay home. All right, we'll see what today brings. Another update from the Prime Minister coming this morning. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's John Iveson of the National Post. We'll provide $27 billion of direct support to people and businesses, which is more than 1% of our GDP. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Globe and Mail, Conrad Yakabuski argues we should get ready for deficits the likes of which we've never seen. Yakabuski writes, There is no policy playbook for dealing with a recession caused by a global pandemic. Under any comprehensive stimulus, the federal deficit would explode. Ottawa would need to do almost all of the heavy lifting because the provinces will be overwhelmed by an explosion in health care costs and plunging tax revenues. The recession that in all likelihood has already begun will be unlike any other the modern world has experienced. At cbc.ca, Aaron Wherry argues the coronavirus isn't just testing governments, it's testing citizens too. Wherry writes... Beyond paying taxes, following the law, and respecting the rights of their fellow Canadians, governments don't ask much of us. But the social changes brought on by the coronavirus are extraordinary, and the government is now speaking to us in wholly unfamiliar ways. We are hearing calls for a new era of active citizenship, social solidarity, and personal and shared responsibility. 
We are all in this together, and we might be in it together for quite a while. At National News Watch, Glenn Pearson argues we will survive through our institutions. Pearson writes, In a globalized world, many have come to see our institutions as archaic, but all the leadership in the world would prove inept if a country's institutions weren't up to the task. It is through our schools, hospitals, arts, houses of faith, media, governments, and other institutions that we are summoned from our individual pursuits to consider broader issues like security, economies, and democracy. It is through them that we collectively become a force in society. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. At 11 o'clock Eastern Time, the Prime Minister will address Canadians on the coronavirus situation and take questions from the media. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Thursday, March the 19th. Tune in to CPAC throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis and to primetime politics tonight. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.